Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast. Although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. What's up everyone, you're listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC Podcast. Your number one source for all things Chelsea. Champions League finalists, our third final. We will take on Manchester City for Europe's biggest prize. This is going to be a good episode, so let's not waste any more time. Here are your hosts all the way from the UK, Mikey Berth and Chris. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of At The Bridge Pod 101, Not Out. I'm your host, Mikey. Today, I'm joined, as always, by my two co-hosts, Berth and Chris. And I ask this calmly. You can celebrate later on, but how are we, guys? Uh, yeah, I've just about got like, on a level head now. The past couple of days I've been sort of on cloud nine, but I'm really good, in a really good mood. I think this is going to be a good podcast, probably one of our better ones. Definitely a, a happy podcast, shall we say. Chris, how are you doing? I'm the same as you, Beth. I'm still on the come down from the, from the high of Wednesday night. It's an incredible week to be a Chelsea fan, so I don't think we can have any complaints this week. Uh, I tell you what, when it happened, I was just sort of staring at Sky Sports News on my TV, just thinking that it's just sort of one of the moments where you soak it in and you, you were, yeah, it's one of them because it, you, I didn't think we expected to be here, but we, we'll touch, we'll touch into that later. Um, this week, I mean, it's been a bit stressful. Uh, it started with our Twitter account going down, which I'm sure many of you had noticed. Uh, whole eight hours of no access, eight bloody long hours, but hey, we got, we got there. We got an apology from Twitter in the inbox. Uh, we're back. And ready to dive into more Chelsea content and hopefully we won't go away. So with that, we're going to head straight into the newsroom and we're going to see what the latest is at Stamford Bridge. We cannot start anywhere else this week, can we? But the Champions League semi-final, second leg against Real Madrid. Shall we see how we got on? And Chelsea are on their way to Istanbul. The Blues are back in the Champions League final for the first time in nine years. And they'll face Manchester City in the third All-English final, 24 nights from tonight. It's a wonderful night for Thomas Tuchel and his players, a group who have conquered the greatest winners in European football to reach the final for the third time in club history. We had 32% possession, they had 68%. We don't give a fuck because we are pulling out our passports. We aren't now. We are. The government have sorted that, but we're getting our stamp. We're not. And we're heading to Istanbul, which we aren't. But uh, Chelsea are in the Champions League final after a 2-0 win on the night, 3-1 on aggregate. How do you like that, Thibaut Courtois and Hazard? I mean, guys, thoughts, vibes, share them. <laughs> I mean, I don't know where to start, really. I think... Well, we're not I could probably there, go... so... I was going to say, I, I could probably go on for about three hours talking about how happy I am, how well everyone played. Um, I just... I, I can't get my head around that we're in a Champions League final. I think the most amazing thing is that if you'd have asked me in January or December that we was going to be in a Champions League final come May, an FA Cup final come May, and probably finish in the top four come May, I'd have probably laughed at you. Because um, it was just a team in just turmoil. Obviously, Lampard went. Players weren't playing very well. No one knew what the best team was. We were shipping goals for fun. And now we're in a Champions League final. We outclassed Real Madrid. Now, I know it's not the Madrid of old, but we bullied them. 
he can say we had 32% possession, but we absolutely bullied him. It should have been 3 or 4, even 5 nil, not just 2 nil. Um, and that's both Madrid sides as well. You bullied both Atletico and Real. But yeah, we're in the Champions League final. I can't quite believe it. And I think we've got a real, real good chance. Look, Man City are, are an incredible team. They've never got to a Champions League final before. We have. I know I've got Guardiola. We've got Tuchel. Tuchel will not want to lose another Champions League final in a row. Neither will Thiago Silva. It, it could very well be our year this year. Obviously, we're underdogs. I'm not taking it for granted that we're going to win. But it feels so, so good that we are there and competing for a Champions League again. Yeah, definitely. I I would go as far as to say that watching that game, that's probably our best Champions League performance since away at the new camp in 2012. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, I, I totally agree. We only had 32% of the ball, but it didn't feel like it. Like sometimes you could, when a team's boss in possession, they look dangerous, but Ramble didn't, didn't really. I mean, first half, they had a couple of shots. Mendy made that one really good save off Benzema's shot from the edge of the box. But aside from that, the Benzema header, I think the save looked better than it was. It was still a good save, but it was straight above his head. So really, aside from that Benzema shot from the edge of the box, they didn't really create anything. And I agree with what Berth said. It should have been four, five. That first 10 minutes of the second half, we could have sat back and relaxed after that. After 55 minutes, it should have been four now, and we should have been talking about the final for the rest of the game. The poor finishing let us down again as we keep saying, but the performance from such a young team in such a big game and all of our younger players stepping up and not being phased by the occasion. And the one thing that I thought watching the game was how over the last probably four games, we've started to look a lot more dangerous going forward in terms of moving the ball forward quickly. I think someone made the point, and it might have been Joe Cole after the game, about how when we win the ball back now, our first thought is go forwards. The person who wins the ball back either plays forwards or they run forwards with the ball. And I think that's been a massive change over the last four games and why we're starting to look more dangerous. But I was watching us and I thought, we look like Liverpool under Jurgen Klopp in his second year when they was when they was really starting to hit their stride and his sort of tactical process was go was starting to come to fruition. And I think that's what Tuckle's done now. It's we're starting to look like a team now that could be a real danger to anybody. Um, I mean bringing up uh, Klopp, you're right, we could have had three, four I mean we could have done what Dortmund did to them, Real Madrid in twenty thirteen. We could have absolutely obliterated the side. I mean Jorginho and Kante were Dominant, pure dominance from them both. And I'm not going to lie, when Jorginho got that early yellow with how he was marking Hazard, it was one of those hold on to your butts kind of moments. But you know what? He owned it and he was disciplined and he made a great tackle. It gets underrated, I feel, that it's not even being talked about. It's a little tackle to stop an attack from Madrid. It's, it's beautifully and elegantly done. I mean, he just owned it. Some people don't like this guy. I mean, I like to hope it means the haters of the Italian maestro will just back off him. But, you know, I can. <laughs> I also can never redeem my comments stating that we should sell Kante last summer. So everyone can laugh at me. I don't care. I was wrong. And I'm so glad I was because he's been incredible. I, I mean, he's everywhere and he's going to be key in that final. 100% key and key in the FA Cup final and in our race for the top four. You know, I know people only talk about missed chances, but this should be, as we've all said, an embarrassing scoreline for Madrid. 
I mean, remember that at the start of Tuchel's tenure, we were complaining that we couldn't create anything. And we just made Madrid look like schoolboys. You know, we're getting better and better each game. I have no doubt we'll be even stronger when we play City on the 29th. You know, we're in the fucking Champions League final. Wow. I mean, we've been to three. We will be to this our third. What can you say to that? I mean, we don't know where it's going to be played. <laughs> that, that That's changed day by day. I, I think I would say Wembley makes so much sense, but... It, it can't be Wembley, though, can it? Oh, no, they've got the... Um, can't, it could play a final. It can't be Wembley. Oh, no. So, it's a massive... It would be fantastic. It's not going to happen, but it would be fantastic and very, very ironic if we was to win a Champions League final in Tottenham's new stadium. No, if we Etihad. win a trophy in that... Etihad. It's got to be the Etihad, because think of it. What happened when we played in the final against a team in their own stadium? Mm. Yeah. I don't get what you're saying. I personally think, obviously, I think it's got to be a neutral venue. Villa Park was obviously talked about. I think the Millennium Stadium is a very good shout. If that's available, I think that's always a good shout because that's a great stadium. Somewhere uh, like that. So, I, I don't the know. The Wham Stadium. The Wham Stadium? Yeah, the Wham Stadium. You know that one. It's Accrington Stanley Stadium. The Wham Stadium, of <laughs> it's course. Great. It's great. Let's go there. Hey, they can have it down the local park for IKEA. I'd, yeah, I'd still watch it. I don't mind. Uh, you know, let's have Mason Mount down like the local park with like you know loads of kids watching. Let's let's do it. I'm happy Sergio, for that. Sergio Aguero is ready to come on as a dog just comes up and has a pee. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne sitting on a swing as he's waiting to come on in the Champions League <laughs> final. Let's do it. Let's do that. I mean, let's one do that. Player, one player that's been absolute class for us, Havertz. I mean, Mendy, epic. Kante back to his best. Aspilicueta nullified Hazard. Rudiger, he was just dominating. Chillhouse, Chillhouse, sorry, Chilwell, he was shithousing all game long, which is great to see. Werner got a goal. You know, Thiago Silva was back to what we know Thiago Silva can do. Mount was Mount. Ugh, instant impact from Pulisic. I can keep going on and on and on. And, and the tactics that Thomas Tuchel implored, b- brilliant. Um, one bit I'm going to bring up, uh, Eden Hazard. I mean, he was seen at the end laughing and joking with the Chelsea team. To be precise, um, if you actually look into this and research into it, he's having a laugh and a joke with particularly Kurt Zuma. They're very good friends off the pitch. Now, they haven't seen each other for roughly two years. One, because obviously different clubs now. And two, being, you know, pandemic. Um, I love to see it. I think everyone else loves to see it because you think, oh, he's still blue. He's still blue inside. Uh, I guess to Real Madrid fans, it's kind of like your current girlfriend laughing with her ex-boyfriend. What did you think of it? What did you think of that? Um, for me personally, I mean, obviously, I'd probably feel different as a, if I was a Real Madrid fan. I do think it's it's an awkward one because I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think, you know, he's only human. I'm sure he's gutted deep down that his side hasn't got to a Champions League final. Of course he is. But, you know, he hasn't seen his friend in a long time. I'm sure he's not laughing at Real Madrid. I'm sure it's not anything sinister or any malice to it. I think the bigger problem for Real Madrid is their actual team and their actual chairman and the way they run the club. I think that's the bigger issue here. I don't think them pointing the finger at Hazard. I think they're using him as a scapegoat massively. I think if you look at their team, it's a very aging team. They've got bulldozed in midfield. Cruz and Modric are getting on now. Sergio Ramos is getting on now. Benzema's aging, even though he can still put the ball in the back of the net. Hazard, fair enough, hasn't delivered for them. They're a side in decline. I've got a lot of problems off the pitch. This Super League drama isn't going away for them. And for them to point the finger at Eden Hazard, I think he's a massive scapegoat. I think he's very, very harsh on Hazard. 
and maybe yeah. I'm just saying that because Hazard is, was a legend at Chelsea. I love Hazard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think I think Real Madrid fans need to get a grip, if I'm honest, because well, you know it is it, it's, it's ridiculous for them to blame him and to point the finger at him when they got outclassed by a side that isn't going to win the, uh, the English Premier League. You know, potentially could be trophyless at the end of the season. So they need to look at their team. They need to look at their board and not point the finger at and find excuses for uh, for how badly they played. I mean, before I bring Chris in, I absolutely, I went over to, I'm a big Reddit user, and I went over to the Madrid Reddit, and it was absolute carnage over there. It was, some of the opinions were absolutely brilliant. It was like Arsenal TV. It was fantastic to see the reaction. It was, it was hilarious. Um, I will say, uh, 24 hours ago, Hazard put on his Instagram story, because that's how you, you know, put out apologies now. Um, and it was just simple. It was I am sorry. I've read lots of opinions about me today and it was not my intention to offend the Real Madrid fans. It has always been my dream to play for Real Madrid and I came here to win. The season is not over and together we must now battle for La Liga. Chris, what are your thoughts on the Hazard situation? Well, at the time when I saw it, I absolutely loved it. Because, yeah. I mean, I think it was for a couple of reasons. One, it's it it's Hazard it's, and it was that thing where, you know, he still loves Chelsea. But on the flip side of that, it is, it is something I hate to see. I hate to see players laughing when they've just lost a game. If he was a if he was a Chelsea player, I would have been absolutely raging. So mm-hmm. I can see their point on that. But I agree with what Berth said. I think they are trying to paper over the cracks. Ramadan have got big problems. All of the ones that, that, that Berth just said, really. I, I think it shows something else as well, though, that Real Madrid are one of these glamour clubs that players want to go and play for. They want to play in the all-white inside the Bernabeu. It's sort of that... It's almost like a, a movie script that you go and play for Real Madrid and then you've made it. But I don't think players love Real Madrid look the same way. Players fall in love with English clubs and they always have that connection with them. And I don't think that happens at Real Madrid anymore. I think they had a few in the past. Players like Raul, for example. But... I just just now, I just think players go there just for the glamour of it and just to say that they've played for Real Madrid where you could tell that the fact that he can laugh after after losing a Champions League semi-final, I don't think he ever would have done that with if he was in the Chelsea team that lost the Champions League semi-final and he saw one of his old friends in the Real Madrid team, I don't think he would have been laughing after. And I just think it's because he, he has that connection with the yeah. club that I don't yeah, think players have with Real Madrid. No, I can totally, totally agree. Um, I mean, somewhere in a dark pub in Croydon, there's going to be Frank Lampard smirking to himself as he downs that final, final bit of lager, thinking those sick bastards have done it. Uh, He mutters it and then he steps out into the cool spring twilight. (laughs) I I don't think we'd be here under him. I'm sorry. I know people don't want to hear that, but it's a fact. We weren't that good under him towards the end of his tenure and the change. We've seen what a manager with tactics can do. Like it or not, Lampard was out of his depth at the time and Tuchel shows his experience. Now, I'm not going to leave this review without giving a huge shout out to our women's side. They've knocked out Bayern Munich. They've secured their place in their Champions League final. They're going to play Barcelona. Is it finally Emma Hayes and her outstanding record-breaking side year to lift the trophy? What do you think, guys? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, know, they've been brilliant this year and they deserve it. Emma Hayes especially deserves it. Um, she, I think, you know, she should go down as a Chelsea legend. Obviously, women's football is becoming more and more popular, and I think she's a catalyst for Chelsea women's football. And she should go down as a as a Chelsea legend, really. And I think winning the Champions League will just tap it up for her. 
which yeah. I fingers crossed they win it. I mean, I will add before some listeners might not know. Don't get too confident because Barcelona. I don't know too much about the Spanish uh, women's league, but Barcelona at the time of recording played twenty-five, won twenty-five, scored one hundred twenty-seven, conceded five. Now I don't know if they're very, very good or the rest of the league are very poor, <laughs> but that's a that's a scary record, mm. I must admit. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on double Champions League finals? I think the women have got a great chance. I think the club and Emma Hayes have, have built one of the best women's sides maybe ever. If you look at the players that, that the squad boasts now. So they've got as good a chance as any. I think that, that Barcelona record, that's got to be skewed by a poor league. I mean, if you're only conceding five goals in 25 games, that's the sort of thing that you see on FIFA and think and then moan to EA about how unrealistic it is. So... <laughs> You know, I think they've got a really good chance because they've got a really good side and they've got a really good manager. So let's hope that they do it and then the men can follow. Yeah, 100% agree, 100%. I mean, they did go last season unbeaten as well. So that sort of says something Barcelona. But hey, um, we do have another game to talk about and that's going to occur after this. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Never miss a match with live commentary, goal alerts, lineups, in-game stats and TV and radio links for over 100 leagues globally. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Well, with the huge game of the week over, we had a London derby, a Scott Parker derby, and we took on Fulham. There's no audio because there was obviously the media silence uh, with the standing up to racism. So we're going to go straight into it. As Chris said in our group chat, fuck Fulham. But uh, Chelsea 2, Fulham nil. Sorry, Scott, if you're listening. Uh, I'm a big fan of Scott Parker. He didn't get the credit he deserved. But um, yeah, th- this game certainly was all about Kai Havertz, which is obviously the perfect time for me to drop a listener question in, which is from Eli Nad, And he put, a few weeks ago this was, but it's still relevant. Do you guys think Kai Havertz will eventually come good at Chelsea? Now you're all thinking, well, yeah, he has, but hear it out. Um, he's been really poor this season. I understand he's still young, but I don't think he's strong enough for the Premier League. Uh Let's go. What, what do you think, guys? No, I disagree. I think he, he's sort of growing into the role now at Chelsea. I think he's, I think he's, it, Tuchel's a perfect manager for him because I think Tuchel plays him in a certain system, in a certain role, whereas I think Lampard was trying to find his best position. Um, and I, I think it's hard to adapt to like all different positions, especially when you're a new player in the Premier League. Whereas under Tuchel, he's, he's playing as this sort of false nine or sort of inverted winger, shall we say, or inverted forward. Um, and I think it's really working for him. I think Rio Ferdinand said it best the other night. I mean, don't get me wrong, I think past couple of games, I think he's probably better against Real Madrid, to be honest, than Fulham, even though he got a couple of goals against Fulham. But he, he was superb. Some of his touches, I mean, I think he got two megs in the Real Madrid game. I think he sold Cruz down the river and then and then Ramos. I mean, these you are two men- world-class players. You mentioned that. I loved the uh, shithousery where he went to pick yeah, him up and, yeah. oh, oh, kicked it. Oh, guys, oh, what am I but like? You, I thought it was lovely. <laughs> you know what? Rio Ferdinand mentioned, compared him to Dimitar Berbatov, and I can kind of see the similarity. Yeah. I do think like you know, the way he sort of glides around the pitch, he makes it look so effortless. And I do think, I think Joe Cole said that he's got a bit of pace to him, and I, and I agree with that. I think he is actually a lot quicker than you think. And I think we are showing signs out that Kai Havertz is a fantastic player. He's such well, a clever yeah. footballer. I mean, look at the dink that he tried to do against Real Madrid. I mean, fair enough, he hit the post, but his positions and the positions he gets in are fantastic and are near on unplayable at times. I think it'll sort of grow into this role and only get better and better. So I think the money he paid for him will be justified over time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, 
I said a few weeks ago, I can't remember what episode it was on now, when we last spoke about Havertz, that aside from his first game against Brighton, although people have been saying he's been poor, I don't remember him having a really bad game. Yeah, I agree with that. I think recently now, because he started to get goals and assists, people have started thinking that he's playing better because people are absolutely obsessed with numbers these days. So I would go out on a line here and say that I think he will be our next Hazard type player. He will, be, he will be the next player that we have who will be, within five years, I think he will be talked about as Premier League player of the season. And I think he'll be talked about with moves to Real Madrid and Barcelona, the usual people. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, fair. Yeah, that's fair. I look at Havertz and I think he looks, against Real Madrid especially and against Fulham, he looks like someone who's playing in the park. He's hmm. so calm on the ball. You give him the ball, and I think it was one of the pundits, it might have been Rio Ferdinand, who said, if you look at Havertz, when he gets the ball in the final third, the game slows down. Yeah. And that's, that's special players. Only special players have that ability. And, you know, it's like the dink that, that you mentioned, Berth, the one that he... The, it, it, it was almost... Like it was a finishing drill at training, not yeah. a moment in a Champions League semi final that could make or break our season. He took his touch, he slowed down, he tried the chip, he got it a little bit unlucky, you know, and then Werner ended up scoring off it. But every time I seen him get the ball, he looked like someone who had this air of confidence about him. And you could see it rub off on the other players. They look, when you have a player like that, you always think you've got a chance because they never seem phased by anything. I think what was also sorry to interrupt, Chris. I think what was also um, impressive about Havertz past couple of games is, I think under Lampard when he was sort of playing as this number eight, he wasn't making those runs into the box. He was hanging back and always having the ball to feet. Whereas against Real Madrid, especially, he's making those late runs into the box. He's sort of making those movements into the box and getting in the right positions. I know he should have scored a few more goals than he should have, but he's getting there. I mean, the header especially which hit the bar against Real Madrid, that's fantastic. That's what you want to be seeing more of him. And I think earlier on in the season, he wasn't doing that. And I think that's just a slight tweak that's done, that Tuckle's done to make, get the best out of Havertz. And I think if he keeps doing that, the goals will come and he'll become an elite player in the Premier League. And I must say, and it's this isn't the uh, at the Old Trafford podcast, but I've got a bit, coronavirus has to be taken into account here. He picked up COVID in November, missed three games. But as he said, it hit him hard. And it, I think it was about seven to 10 days roughly he was in bed. Now, it's affected everyone who's unfortunately contracted the virus differently. We still don't know the long-term effects, of course. But think of it as in Pogba. When he got hit with COVID, after he came back, he was, he was not himself. And now, like him or don't, he's playing at the level you expect. I think it's gonna, it takes time to get back to that full fitness of an athlete. And Havertz is no exception. He's had to battle back to full fitness from this horrible virus. And he's doing well. And it's great to see, obviously... You know, anyone who picks it up, you want them to recover 100% fully. But when it comes to sport, we still don't know the long-term effects. And I think that's also to be considered when we think he didn't come back in, say, December and January. He weren't him. No, because he was still recovering. That's how I see it. I don't know what you think, but... No, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's clear that sort of just after he recovered from it, he wasn't quite ready. He weren't quite sort of up to speed, up to fitness. And it's going to have a long-term effect on you, especially with a young player 
just getting used to a new country and a new new league. Um, it was always going to be hard for him, always going to need time to adapt, but especially on top of the COVID, you know, it, it's a testament to him that he's got back into the team and he's starting to prove people wrong. Um, so, you know, fair play to him. And like I said, like, you know, he's going to only get better and better. And if Tuchel stays in charge, he will get the best out of him and, you know, the goals will come and so will the assists. So we've got a yeah. top player on our hands. Oh, 100%. I mean, I'm personally so excited for our future under Tuchel. I mean, he's got a plan and much, much more often than not, it ends up working well, the plan. I mean, the team's playing cohesively. The defence is solid. That has been a huge plus. I mean, if you have a strong defence, everything else usually kind of flows with it eventually. You know, the only thing missing is the extra attacking bite to make results like the 4-1 against Palace more common. Uh, I mean, I keep thinking back to that day when we drew Atletico Madrid for the Champions League. And I was thinking, that's that. That's done, you know. And if you'd have told me then we'd be in the semi-finals, obviously now the final against Real Madrid. Uh, sorry, against Manchester City. Uh, with a good chance of knock it, lifting our second trophy, you know, second European Cup, as well as the FA Cup final. And we've pretty much got top four, looking top three in our own hands. I mean, I'd have laughed. I, of course you would, you know, because we were nowhere near that. And he's done so well. And I'm really waiting to see what he does with the preseason and a few signings of his own choosing. And I think I'm more excited for next season already than I was for this season. And I think I was pretty excited for this season after, you know, Werner, Havertz, Mendy, Silva that we picked up. Uh, are we looking forward to next season already, even though it feels like a two-year project has come to fruition in six months? Chris? Yeah, definitely. I'll tell you one thing that I've been thinking about, though. The past few games with, with how Havertz has been playing as that sort of false knowing, I'm starting to wonder whether signing a striker would be the best thing to do. I, I understand say that. what everyone's thinking about you look at the chances we, we create and then people miss them. But if next year, Werner gets more used to the Premier League and Havertz keeps playing like he is, I, I still think those two will get goals. And the problem is if you bring in a really expensive number nine now to this team, would be they're going to play. If you sign Lukaku or Haaland, they're going to play. So then where does Havertz play? Where does Werner play? Mount's going to play as part of that front three as well. He's going to play every week. So you've, you've, you've then got Pulisic, Werner, Havertz, Ziyech, all to play for one position. And I'm just not sure whether that's what the squad actually needs. I, I would rather us hold off on those sort of transfers and just see what Havertz and Werner can do next year. I think Werner's going to develop into more of a wide player who will get you numbers like he has this year. Double figures in goals and assists, which, to be honest with you, for a wide player at Chelsea would be a dream. Uh, and then I think Havertz is a really, really good finisher. And I think he could develop that even further. And then he could play as that false number nine. And then we could have a front three similar to the Liverpool one where Roberto Firmino isn't necessarily the main goal scorer. But Havertz could play that sort of role, but with more goals than Bobby Firmino, I think. And then we've got Werner, Pulisic, Mount, Zayek, who can all chip in with goals from the wide areas. I just... I'd be concerned if we sign a top striker about the balance of the team in terms of having too many good players sat on the bench. True. I think the problem with that is, like, say, if you sign a Lukaku or Haaland, or, I mean, we're linked with Lewandowski now, which isn't going to happen. But if no. you sign a striker like this, I, I, I agree with you. I think it generally could ruin the dynamic of our team and what we're slowly starting to build. I think when you look at our best performances this season against Real Madrid and 
against Man City in the FA Cup. I think I think our best performance have been when you've played on the counter attack with pace. I think you know Werner and Pulisic are, are electric on the counter attack, and and Havertz especially, like I said, he's got a bit of pace. He's got Mount who gets into those little pockets, of, and I think if you bring in a striker like a Lukaku, will he will he stop that? Will he slow down our counter attacks? Will he get in the positions that Mount is? And if he does. Will it be as dangerous? I don't think he will. Will he sort of drop into sort of the pockets like Havertz does, possibly? But will he be as dangerous? No. He hasn't got the speed of a Pulisic or, or Werner. So I, I kind of agree with you, Chris. I do think that we don't necessarily need a new striker. I think we are sort of slowly starting to build a really good dynamic up front. And I think you look at the past couple of games, Werner and Havertz are getting more confident. I mean, Werner got a, a nice, easy goal and, and actually played really well against Real Madrid. Havertz just got a brace. Mount looks like the best player in the world at the minute. May have exaggerated with that a bit, but you know he look he looks class. And Pulisic looks unplayable at times against Real Madrid. So, you know, I do think that at the moment we are building something very very special. And confidence is building, and I think next yeah. season we, we could be near on unplayable with a few more signings. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, well. go on. Sorry, I just think we've played better with a false nine. I think our better performances yeah. have when we played that false nine, and. So why would you then go out and sign a, a, a out and out number nine? It just, I think we have to show more patience with the signings we've made. You know, mm. we've made that mistake before with Lukaku and De Bruyne and Salah, and people talk about it, but it was just a lack of patience. And I think we can't make that mistake with Werner and Havertz. Werner frustrates the life out of me. Don't get me wrong, because he does one thing really well, and then he does one thing really shit, and you think. There is a player in there, but you just want to see it more consistently. But he, whenever I hear him talk, he doesn't seem like he's lacking confidence. And I just think they're not phased, are they? Uh, if you can get Werner back to even half the player he was at Leipzig, you, you're talking what 18 to 20 goals. Havertz, I think, can get similar numbers. Mount can get easily into double figures. Pulisic can get into double figures. I just think we could spread those goals around without putting all our eggs in a basket of £150 million centre-forward and then trying to fit other players in around them. We just have to be more patient. Mm, yeah, I mean, look, looking at it, I mean, Thiago Silva's 36. He, he doesn't look it, and that he put in a top showing against Fulham. Um Looking at the whole game, I mean, I get the feeling Havertz is going to have a similar second season as to what Mason Mount's having right now. You know, Mount had some hiccups, you could say, in his first year with the first team last season. And he didn't have to deal with the pandemic in like a new country as well, like Havertz has. And of course, I don't believe Mount did contract COVID at any point. So you've got so many variables. So I'm excited for the future for Havertz and the team there. And, you know, again, we shout out to Werner, giving, you know, the most polar opposite emotions when watching him play you, you, you oh but you can't argue with the 11 goals and the 10 assists that's amazing why i don't get why we're so critical over that you know okay he's not banging in 30 goals like he did at leipzig but 10, 11 goals and 10 assists um i tell, I tell you what Monty, i tell you why that is though it's because we signed him as a center forward who had mm, just yeah. scored 30 goals if we'd signed him as a wide player people would be talking about him having an incredible first season. And I think if we start to judge him now as a wide player, his first season has been a real success. As a centre-forward, he's been disappointing. But as a wide player, which he's played of more, he's actually been incredible when you look at the numbers. Oh, God, yeah. 110%, mm. I totally agree. Uh, I, what do you think about this? I'll, I'll, before I end it, do you? I saw a talk from CF Bayern, Christian Falk, 
and he's pretty decently reliable. He said that Chelsea are looking at Salah. Well, what are your thoughts on that? I, I, I don't think we're going to get him. Obviously, he's not, Salah's a great player. I remember watching him when he first came to Chelsea when I think it was Chelsea versus Stoke. I think it was his first Chelsea goal and I saw him I thought, he ain't Chelsea level. Because um, we had Oscar and Willie at the time, I just thought, no, Salah's not, not getting in the team. Um, and now, look, he's done incredibly well. He's one of the best players in the Premier League, arguably one of the best players in the world. His goal-scoring record speaks for itself. He's been Liverpool's best player this season. Would I say no to him? It'd be very hard not to. But again, I think our dynamic works and I think our dynamic would change if Salah came into Chelsea. Um, I don't think it'd, it'd go... I don't think he'll leave Liverpool yet. And if he does, I don't think he'll be to Chelsea. But it's always hard to turn down a world-class player, let's be honest. Yeah. Chris? Personally, I don't think Liverpool would sell Salah to us. And although I agree with everything Berth just said, I wouldn't take him. I think our, our dynamic going forward works because they're all willing to look for each other and they're all willing to link up with each other. And it doesn't seem like any of them are bothered who scores as long as somebody scores. And I think Salah brings that selfishness, which is why he's got so many goals, so fair play to him. But oh, yeah. I do think, again, it, it just messes with that dynamic. It, he loves having a shot. You've seen the problems he has with Sadio Mane at yeah. Liverpool. You know, I, I wouldn't want to bring that in when it's just starting to click and starting to look good. I, yeah. I just think we have to be very careful about messing with the dynamic too much this summer. Yeah, it reminds me of Ronaldo when he doesn't score, but his teammate does, and he looks like it's just the worst feeling in the world. He's so pissed and fucked up, and you think, yeah. really? Come on. You, you, if that wins the game, I get it, and I get that that makes them at their level they are. It takes them to that elite level, but I do think that there's a time and a place to be selfish, and when you start to piss other people off, that does, as you said, the dynamic starts to break down because then you start to get you know, sections part off and, oh, it's that section, it's that one. And you think, no. Personally, I, I think because of age and what you've just said, we've just all said, no, I don't think we need to, we need to put the money better spent. Simple as that. So with that, we've, uh, we've come to the end of another episode of At The Bridge Pod. It, it's time for the, the social media plugs. Guys, where can we be found as long as our accounts are active? Um, Chris, would you like to go first this week? I think I went first last week. Sure. Uh, so you can find my personal Twitter is at Chris09Adams and you can find my football blog at Pitch Pundits. And I am on Twitter at Chris Burford. And for, for the record, we weren't banned like Pitch Pundits. We were <laughs> temporarily locked because of apparent spam attack. <laughs> it, it's, we got an apology. That's what matters. I panicked for eight hours, but hey, I care. I care. Um, but you can find us on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube by searching for At The Bridge Pod. You can drop us a like, a follow, keep up to all things, date on all things Chelsea. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, then leaving us a five star review always helps us out and helps build that community. And, you know, we'll be sure to read them out in the uh, future episodes. So till next time, listeners, that is us signing off.